tonight, we're going to be starting that part one, spiritual warfare, getting it right. You know, when we talk about spiritual warfare, it's not about fighting your personal demons. You know, demonic powers exhibit certain traits which you can see in culture. So I'm going to just, I'm going to just rattle some cages tonight and um, unusually. So, so demonic traits are those things that you see in culture when nations exhibit certain traits. Then you know what you are fighting. So we know that in this nation, one of the major traits, although many of you don't think so, because people have got cabin fever here, is, is a spirit of fear. It's something that dominates this nation and particularly WA. So when you see these traits being exhibited, then you, are, then you know what you're dealing with. And you know what you fight and you know how to fight. And that doesn't mean there's a demon behind every bush. I know some people think there is, but there just isn't. And we'll, we'll look at that tonight. And we'll continue next Sunday night. But let me just tell you, dear Christian, say dear Christian. Tell the person next to you, say dear Christian. All right. Listen, failure is not final. And that doesn't mean you have a devil if you fail. The problem is that many people think they do and they live in perpetual defeat and condemnation. You know, some issues are really trauma, background, upbringing, which Jesus wants to heal at the cross. There are many scarred people and there, there, there are things that spring up in people's lives that when it springs up, when wrong thinking springs up, then bring it to God. That does not mean you have a devil. Amen? And there are times that you undergo a spiritual attack from demonic forces. But even if you do fail, get up. There's nothing stopping the Christian from getting up. Not one thing. Amen. Not one thing. Psalm 37 verse 23 and 24 says this in, in the Passion Translation. The steps of the God pursuing ones follow firmly in the footsteps of the Lord. So who is God pursuing you tonight? Can I see those people? Oh, only a few people. Only a few people. Who is pursuing God here tonight? So the Bible says that, 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 that the steps of the God pursuing ones follow firmly in the footsteps of the Lord and God delights in every step that they take to follow Him. Verse 24 says, If they stumble, if they fall, they will survive for the Lord lifts them up with His hands. You've got to understand that. If you're a God follower, you, you may stumble, you may fall, you may mess up. But I want to tell you what, if you just get up, you will survive. Amen. You will survive. Say, I will survive. Come on. You will survive. You will get up. If you just make a decision, I'm following Jesus. It doesn't matter if I stumble across the line, but I'm getting across the line. There's no devil in hell that can stop you. You from getting across the line. I'm telling you right now. Amen. And if you learn to understand that, then we can fight this, uh, uh, this fight more effectively in this nation. Come on. Proverbs 24 verse 16 says, for, for a righteous man and woman, all right, may fall seven times and rise again. 
but the wicked shall fall by calamity. You see, there's a difference between the wicked and the righteous. The righteous man, the Bible says, may fall seven times, but he will rise again. But the deal is this, the wicked will fall by calamity. That's why I never worry about the wicked. That's why we don't stress about the wicked, for we know that God is with us. We know that God's favour is upon us. And even though we may fall, we will get up. Amen. You may fall, but you will get up because you love God. You know, in the book of Mark chapter 1, one of the first things that Jesus does is He goes into a synagogue and He casts out a demon, an unclean demon out of a man. Now, and then we know that Jesus went around and healing all and all who were oppressed of the devil. But let me explain to you very nicely. In that synagogue, there was only one guy who had a demon. Right? I tell you what was the hardest thing for Jesus to deal with was the religious spirit upon those people because it was the religious spirit that crucified Him. It was the religious thinking. And when we talk about a religious spirit, it does not mean a demon. It means a stubborn refusal to obey God, to hear what God wants to hear the truth. A stubborn refusal. And when a person has stubborn refusal, that's more dangerous than having a demon. Because a demon you can cast out, but a stubborn refusal will not repent. There's a big difference. Somebody say amen. Come on, there's a big difference. And so what we find often in nations and sometimes in churches is a stubborn refusal. It's not a demon, it's pride. Amen. Come on, somebody say, hey man. Somebody say, hey dude. So it's that. So Jesus goes in and He casts out that demon out of that person. One person. But we know what the rest of them did. They wanted to like throw Him over the hill. They crucified Him. They were always at Him. They threw stones. They, they, you, know, you know, they did whatever they could to trip Him up. And you know, many use this Scripture. And I will tell you right now, it's doing its rounds again. Many use this one Scripture to say that the believers in churches are sitting with devils and they're possessed by demons. Amen. Now that may be a very small fraction, but the major issues that we are dealing with is, is demonic principalities over regions rather than that, per, that demon trying to sit on you. I'll tell you what, do you think, do you think that the devil's major strategy is not to get one person for the devil. The devil's major strategy is to change people's thinking, to sway whole nations, to sway whole regions. That's what he's after. That's a principality. That's a power. Now the result is there may be a few people who have demons inside of them, but the ultimate issue and the ultimate goal of Satan is to be worshipped and he wants people to bow to him so he will sway their thinking. That's a principle. You know, we look, at, we look at voting. A lot of people get very surprised at voting and the result of voting. And we can blame politicians. No, it's people's thinking that voted people in. Amen. And it's that that the devil has worked on for years and years and years and years while the church is busy after the one guy with a demon instead of dealing with the principalities and powers. Come on. Somebody say amen. 
Instead of saying we're in this for the long haul and we will win, we will change things. We will pray like never before. We will fast. We will do whatever we need to do. But we ain't going to back down. Amen. Somebody say amen. And so, we're dealing with principalities and powers. Because the Bible says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. The Bible doesn't say we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but, but against the principality and power in the member in the band. Or the usher. Amen. Now it sounds sens- sensational. And I'm not saying there's no demons in people. That's not what I'm saying. But a demon in a person will find it very difficult to sit here anyway. We'll find it very difficult to even sit in worship like this because of the anointing. Because when the anointing is present, the the demons come rushing, uh, the people come rushing to Jesus and those demons start to manifest. So the way to get rid of a demon in your midst is get the anointing in the midst. Amen. And that demon will manifest. It will go. But here's the problem. We can get rid of the demon in the midst. But if we don't deal with the principality and power and our thinking, we are going to continue to have certain issues that plague our society. Amen. Let me give you an example. When, 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 when we first entered the ministry, my wife and I, we went to a, after Bible school, we went to uh, a place called Hillbrow, which was an inner city thing like, like uh, uh, Northbridge. And um, it would be that we would go on, on, on outreaches in the day, ministering to the lost, but it would be that as we would cross one certain road, cross that road, it's like there was this tangible feeling of fear tangible until we we didn't know what was going on until we began to discover that in that particular area that murders were were taking place all the time so what was happening there was something influencing that whole region are you with me and the way to deal with that He's not running around with holy water and throwing holy water all over the place. The way to deal with that is come with an opposite spirit. You come with boldness. You come with faith. You come with the gospel. You come preaching the gospel. Amen. That's what you do. So when you feel this thing, you go in the opposite spirit. If the devil brings fear upon you, you come in the opposite spirit. You stand up and you say, no, I'm blessed of God. I'm not going to back down. You tell me to shut up, but I'm going to preach even louder in Jesus' name. That's what you do. That's warfare. Amen. You can go anoint every building in the city if you like. But if you don't come in the opposite spirit uh, to what that devil is doing, you will not dominate it. Amen. I hope I'm rattling your cage here tonight. Amen. You know, uh, when I was uh, young, when I first gave my life to Jesus, I went to see the one pastor and um, I remember him telling me the story and he was a good guy. He said to me, he said, I was sitting in his office. He said, uh, you know, I was in the supermarket the other day and there was some worldly music playing. And I started to tap my foot to the music. Right? 
<laughs> carry on wayward son, carry on. <laughs> or the Steve Miller band, right? <laughs> so, so, uh, and he said, he said, then I realized I had a demon of rock and roll in my foot. So I cast it out. You know, even as a young Christian, I realized, no, you don't have a demon of rock and roll. You've just got bad doctrine and a thick head. That's all. All right. <laughs> Look, people get crazy. Oh, you don't agree with me? You must have a devil. Listen, that's manipulation. And that itself is a devil. Amen. And that, what, what are you saying? I've never, and I've cast out many demons. I've cast out demons of people all over the place. But they exhibit certain traits. I've cast a demon out of a, a, an alcoholic once and there was thick black things that came out that he brought up. Thick black things. You know, but the guy was unsaved. Amen. I remember a time in Pretoria a couple of years back. I think we were still in the, was about the two and a half thousand seated tent that we were still in. And, um, and there's this woman who came forward for the altar call to be prayed for, to give her life to Jesus and to be prayed for. And I really felt the Lord say to me, put, put, just, just put your finger on her like that, the finger of God. Like that. I put my finger on her forehead like that. And she shot back about five to six meters. Boom, like that. The power of God hit her and actually delivered her. And afterwards, I think, was my wife that counseled her. Am I right? You counseled her. And she said that she was trained in witchcraft as a witch doctor to bring curses. And she was paid to actually curse people to see accidents happen. But you see, that's the demon coming out just like that. Bam. So do they exist? Of course they do. But if the church continuously thinks that they are sitting with demons, how are they ever going to win the war? On the contrary, what we have to do, most of the issues we face are actually the issues that we have to renew our minds. Amen? Amen. So, we, we can talk about all of that. Or the guy who battles to lift up his hands to God but when, when he hears particular music, he suddenly his arm goes out long. <laughs> right, DJ? <laughs> right. So that doesn't mean, you know, he can't dance in front of, he can't dance to the Lord, but, but he's, he's like this, you know, in the music, right? That doesn't mean he's got a devil. He just has an unrenewed mind, that's all. Come on. If you struggle with desires and thoughts, doesn't mean you have a demon. It just simply means you have to refocus your heart and your mind. Let me give an example. Um, I went to of regions because we'll, we'll deal with this region now because we have to. We, this is where we are. We're in Australia. I'm an Australian, mate. 22nd of May. 2020 became an Australian, right? There we go. So, I, I many years back went to Mozambique. I've been to Mozambique, and that was during the war. 
uh, where Renama and Frulima were fighting. It's a huge conflict, huge war, Russians, uh, uh, all of that were there. But I went on a missionary trip to take Bibles, etc. A friend and I, we went. We just went. We just like packed our car. I still remember it was like a, a six-cylinder a Toyota. There we go. Like we just put foot. That's the way you got through there. Because there was just, you know, uh, landmine holes all over the place. Soldiers stopping you on the side of the road. That's how it was. It was war. But that was exciting anyway. However, um, as we, you know, as you go into the place, you actually see the devastation in that place. A beautiful people, amazing. But there's something that operates in those places that, that controls whole nations. Right now, that same nation, after all the war they've been through, they first had war between Renamo and the Portuguese colonialists. And then it started with Renamo and Frolimo. Uh, 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 sorry, Frolimo and the, the, the colonialists. And then it started with uh, Renamo and Frolimo. These are all these factions and liberation movements, so-called fighting. Now we have this whole Al-Shabaab uh, uh, right now taking place. Uh, Islamic uh, uh, fighters moving all the way down to take over that nation. So that nation has always been ravaged with war, yet a very prosperous nation, yet a nation with an abundance. Beautiful place to go scuba diving. Amazing. Right? Amazing place. But, but a couple of years back, I went to Malawi to minister there, which is next to uh, Mozambique. And Malawi is, is also... It's a beautiful place. There you would see the corn would, would grow to five, six meters. That's how fertile it is. Incredible. But, but we, we would ride on the road. As we were going to the place we were going to, the guy said to me, he said, do you see that side of the road? I said, yes. He says, that's Mozambique. There's no border fence. But there was a stark difference between Malawi and Mozambique. Mozambique was like desolate, poverty, everything, poverty, you could see it. People were dirty in rags, begging on the side of the road. But this side, totally different. How can that be? There's no border, there's no nothing, just a tar road that is separating the two nations. What is it? Well, I want to tell you what it is. It's demonic principalities and powers that are controlling those nations. And I'll tell you, like Mozambique is still very rich in the gospel, but yet, yet, uh, sorry, Malawi is still very rich in the gospel, but Mozambique not. So there are nations that are exhibiting certain traits of demonic elements that only the church can deal with. Amen. And so, Here's what I want to show you. Let me throw up our first picture this, this, this night, okay? So this, I drew this picture in a nice little stick men. Can we throw it up? All right. Uh, you may have to, can you see the picture? That's my, that's my but, but Pastor Steve made it very nice for me. So thank you very much. But I thought my little stick men, they were pretty good anyway. But yeah, yeah, here's the picture. Keep it up. All right. Okay, you got it. Okay. Here's the picture. Yeah, yeah is what we're going to call the first heaven, second heaven, and third heaven. Now, now, and I need to reiterate this. I've, I've, I've taught this a few years back, but I need to teach some of this again. Yeah, we have the first heaven, second heaven, third heaven. The first heaven is where the world is and where the, I think we have the wrong one. Turn it around. There we go. Thank you. All right. 
So, so yeah, we go. Is the first heaven, the world, the church, the second heaven over there, that line there, you can see it, principalities and powers, right? Principalities and powers. And then above there in the third heaven is God, the angels, and there's a circle there with church uh, with question marks. Yes, the problem is this is how the average Christian functions in spiritual warfare. It's a problem. This very issue is a problem. Because here is what's happening. The principalities and powers that you see in the middle there, the second heaven. Ephesians 6 tells us that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Now what heavenly places? Not where God is, in their own space. Here's the problem is that we are wrestling them and they are pushing down upon the earth and exerting an influence to influence nations, to influence regions, to influence peoples. Oh, you got that? That's why in a nation, right here in WA, you will see people think in a certain way, even politically. Why? Because there's an exertion of spiritual forces upon the, the, the state that comes through many avenues, through media, through many ways that Satan will use to exert that pressure and that way of thinking. Right? You got that? So why do people think in a certain way? And why do I say this? Because if a lot of you go and travel, you will actually find out we've got cabin fever. That a lot of the world doesn't even think like what we think like. Especially now, in these last two years. That people are living in fear, absolute fear. People are living in a bubble. What bubble is that? It's a bubble where, where demonic principalities and powers are exerting their influence. And I'll show you the Scriptures now. But here's the problem. If you look at that, what happens is that you can see the bottom there, the, 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 the principalities and powers are exerting their influence. And there's the, the world and the church. And the church is pushing back up. And that's the wrong position. We are not fighting from this position up. And that's why most times the enemy gets a foothold in nations because churches are just trying to cope. Christians are just trying to cope. So when the pressure comes, we, we push back, we push back. And then, then, okay, I'm all right for now. I have a bit of a breather. So we breathe, we breathe, we breathe. But that's the wrong position because that exertion of the enemy is non-stop all the time. Amen. Come on. Because when God gave Adam authority, we see that in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 to 28. I won't read it, but here's what God said. When God said to Adam, Adam, I'm giving you authority over everything. I'm giving you dominion. Have dominion, right? Is that right? Where did Adam have dominion? In the first heaven. Put that, put that uh, picture back up. Where did Adam have dominion? In the earth, in that first heaven, in that first realm. That's where Adam had authority. So when Adam sinned, what happened? He gave that authority 
to Satan. Right? Well, well, it's exactly as the Bible says in Luke chapter 4. Because Luke chapter 4 verse 5 and 6, uh, uh, when, when the devil is tempting Jesus, what happens? He takes him to the top of the, the temple and he says, look, if you bow down to me, uh, and he showed him all the kingdoms of the world. He said, if you bow down to me, I will give you all of this. How could the devil give the Lord Jesus all of that if it wasn't his to give? Did Jesus say to the devil, you liar? No. All he said to the devil is, you will worship the Lord your God and Him only shall you serve. So what happens is that, is that when Adam sins, he gives the authority, the dominion over to the devil. And when Jesus is tempted by the devil, the devil presents him with a gift and he says, look, I know why you've come. And if you bow down to me, I'll give you all of this, right? Showing you that Satan's whole strategy is for people to bow down to him. He's not interested in getting the one or two little people filled up with a demon. And sure, there are people like that. But our biggest fight right now is against principalities and powers that are operating in the very thought processes of men and women. Amen. And there's a way to deal with that, which we'll look at in the next few weeks. Now we can jump up and down. And it is good to be a voice. But there are ways that we have to tackle this. And I will just tell you right now, listen. There are no lone rangers in the body of Christ. It's called the body for a reason. You know, if you get your extraterrestrial revelation by yourself, then we know. Amen. So let the, the Bible says, let the prophets speak and let two or three others judge. Let two or three other prophets judge. Amen. <laughs> so, well, you know, so when, when the devil says to Jesus, I'll give you all this authority, he tells him that. You know what Jesus says to him? Get behind me, Satan. For he's written, you'll worship the Lord and Him only shall you serve. Jesus said, I refuse to have you in front of me. Get behind me. And part of our overcoming is we have to remove that image of the devil from in front of us to behind us. Get behind me for I worship the Lord and Him only shall I serve. Amen. And so as we saw that picture, that Ephesians chapter 6 verse 12. Let's read that New Living Translation. Because this first, this first realm that we are in now, first heaven, is being influenced by the second heaven. And you say, where does the Bible say second heaven? No, it doesn't. But it does talk about the third heaven. So a good mathematician will figure out if there's a third heaven, then there's a first one and a second one. Amen. You do know that, right? One, two, three. Amen. One, two, three. Third heaven means there's a first, second, and then there's a third heaven, right? Now maybe you in the fourth heaven, 
that's still not in the Bible, but we understand that. Okay. So it says, so for we, for we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. In other words, look, your friend is not your enemy. Your brother is not your enemy. We are not enemies. But against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world. That's that second realm, which is here. It's amongst us. Against mighty powers in this dark world, against evil spirits in heavenly places. So the Bible says we are wrestling against that. It's a hand-to-hand combat. And we'll look at how we deal with that in the next two weeks. So don't miss this. But here's the point, is that even though we're wrestling that, and the Bible says they have power, Jesus, in effect, took back the power that Adam gave to the devil. He took back that power and he vested it in himself and in his church. So it's the responsibility of the church to exert the pressure and deal with the demonic forces that we are fighting. Amen. And there are many ways to do that. And one of the biggest ways that we have to deal with it is the way that we think. Amen. And that's why if we're not going to get over our past hurts all the time, then we're forever going to live under the oppression of that is in a nation. Amen. Come on, hear what I'm saying. I I refuse to live under the oppression that was in my family. So when my mother said to me uh, uh, when David was young, uh, uh, we've all had um, uh, eczema in the family and your son will be just like the rest of them. I said to my mother, no, they won't because I'm free from that curse. You know what I did? I broke that thing there and then. I did not allow the past and a family issue to get onto my family. Are you with me tonight? That's warfare. So there and then, it wasn't my mother that I was dealing with. I was dealing with a spiritual issue and I dealt with it, but unafraid to deal with it. You know, we want to be so nice. I should be a nice Christian and just let the devil do what he likes and say what he likes. I amen. <laughs> Come on, somebody say amen. All right, so Colossians 2 verse 15 says, Having disarmed principalities and powers, He made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it, in the cross. So the Bible says Jesus disarmed those principalities and powers. So listen, against the church, they have no weapons. But in the world, they have influence, they exert pressures. And the more the world submits to that, the more they gain power. But they have no power against the church. I want you to understand that. We together, the, the devil has no power against us together. If you think it's about you and just one person, you're missing the point of the whole issue and teaching of the church. Amen. Because it's the church that Jesus put in charge. Not you, not me, not one person. It's the church. And when we learn to function together, that we're in this together and we fight together, it's like our prayer meeting, like David prayed and he challenged people and said, hey, if you here and you want to sit around and talk, then you're in the wrong place. But we are not going to dilute what God wants for somebody because they want to bring uh, all their issues into church. We are here to pray. We're going to deal with what we need to deal with. Come on, somebody say amen. We cannot back off on this because the world and the system wants you to back off. And sometimes as Christians, we, we just say, well, just take it easy. Just take it easy, pastor. Just be nicer. 
You know, look, I'm not perfect and none of us are perfect. But you know, our imperfection does not mean that we don't fight. Our imperfection means that we, 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 doesn't mean that we just give in. Our imperfection means that, Lord, I trust you and your grace more than ever. That's what it means. Amen. And so, here's the thing. Even though Jesus disarmed them, the Bible says that Satan is the God of this age. Let's look at these scriptures. 1 John 5 verse 19 says, For we know we are of God. Say, we are of God. All right. So, who's of God? Can I see your hands quickly? Okay. All right. So, we are of God. It says, but. And we are of God and the whole world. So, there's a distinction between the church and the world. The whole world lies under the sway. Say sway. All right. The influence. The whole world lies under the influence. It's influence. The devil plays the long game. The Christian waits for inspiration. I don't feel like doing this today. Well, look, you know, you can feel inspired and never, I, I look, I need to go work out and I'm, I'm getting there more and more and every day now and sorting my diet out. But you know, if I had to wait for inspiration, it would never happen. No, I was waiting for Jesus to give me inspiration. It's not happening. If we don't play the long game, <laughs> you know, amen. Look, and I can eat milk tart every day, right, Steve? I mean, there, there, there are some Aussies here that make better milk tart than any South African I know. All right. That's the truth. That's the truth. And he's a male as well. He's <laughs> a man. Amen. All right. But, but here's the point, is that, that we can make decisions based on a long-term strategy. And if we set our hearts and our minds to win a city, nothing will stop us. But if we're just waiting for potluck and we'll feel how inspired we feel today. But if we say, okay, God, if I can win one person to the Lord this year. Oh God, if I can just walk down my neighborhood and pray over every house at least once a month. Lord, I'm going to take ground. Walk around the school and pray. Walk around the university at least once a term and pray. Have a long-term strategy. Amen. Instead of waiting for inspiration that oh, one day I'm going to tell this person about Jesus. Why don't you walk into your office every single day and say, Lord, in the name of Jesus, every place the sole of my foot will tread, you have given unto me. Lord, give me open doors. Help me to share the gospel when we take a long-term view. Amen. Come on. Listen, I'm dealing with a lot of sacred cows here tonight. Amen. (laughs) So, 2 Corinthians 4 verse 3 and 4 says, For if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing whose minds the God of this age is blinded. So, so the God of this age, who's who? The devil. He's the God of the age, the system. So look, like I said this morning, if you think, well, all these elites in their electric jets were meeting in Davos this week, WEF, and eating bugs, you know, instead of meat and, uh, and uh, uh, kale, because there's nothing worse than kale, I'll be honest with you, all right? Uh, eating bugs and kale, and they arrive there on the electric jets, and, um, you know, they're all wearing renewable clothes, or may, you know, uh, you know, um, if you think that that's not the God of this age working, 
then you're missing the point. Because that is working there. That doesn't mean those people have demons, but it means there's an, a, something being influenced upon their thinking. Because the God of this age, the system has blinded their minds. Right? I mean, look, let's get real. And the fact is that even populations can believe this. I mean, look, over east right now, I mean, they are seriously running out of power because they've shut down coal stations. But it's okay. We'll put the solar out when the sun's not shining and it may work. You understand? Um, now, I'm not saying we should, not, we should be good custodians of the earth. We should be. In actual fact, Christians should be on the forefront of these things, but doing it properly, that it doesn't become a religion. Amen? Christians shouldn't litter as well. That's another thing. Amen? Try picking up your paper that you left on the floor when you left, or the biscuit that you dropped in the foyer. <laughs> Look, I don't... <laughs> I don't sweep it up. The ushers sweep it up, but I feel they sweep it up gladly. But listen, look, I'm just throwing those in just to help you laugh. Okay. <laughs> but, but the God of this age has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. This is what you're dealing with. You want to deal with spiritual warfare, you know what you're fighting. And we've got to learn how to fight that and deal with that effectively without losing our minds. Amen? Without losing our minds. Without going off the edge. Because there's a lot of people who go off the edge. They get so obsessed with every, everything out there, every YouTube video, everything that flows like thick and fast, etc. Eventually, I just have to uh, uh, archive all these messages. Eventually, I can't. I just say enough now. Because there are people going off the edge. But hold on, if you're a Christian, God has called us to fight that and to deal with that effectively. But now we're so stressed about what that politician said, instead of realizing, hey, hold on, he's saying that, but there are people receiving the message, so maybe we need to get the message of Jesus out more than ever. Because the greatest uh, spiritual warfare that you and I will ever do is actually preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And this nation and this city needs a whole impetus again of the gospel of Jesus Christ to be preached, amen, to be, to, for, for people to hear the gospel in every single place. Somebody say amen. And so, so here's the thing. We're living in two worlds. We're living in two domains. Ultimately, Ephesians 2 verse 6. So let's look at that. We know where the devil's working. Let's say where the church is working, where you and I are working. And it's Ephesians 2 verse 6 says, And He has raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So, so if the devil is in heavenly places and we are in heavenly places, is it the same place? No, it's not. It's a second heaven and a third heaven. The devil is operational in a second heaven. We are operational in the third heaven. We just don't know how to do it. Because if we knew how to do it, we wouldn't panic. Amen. Come on. Hallelujah. Ephesians 1 verse 19 says, 
And what is the exceeding greatness of His power towards us who believe according to the working of His mighty power, which He worked in Christ and raised Him far from the dead and seated Him at His right hand in the heavenly places. Come on. Far above. Say far above. Far above. So in other words, I, we are seated in heavenly places with Jesus, right? The Bible tells me that Jesus was raised far above. Far above who? all principality and power and might and dominion. And so there's the principalities and powers that we are wrestling with, but the Bible says that Jesus was raised far above those principalities and powers. And the Bible tells us that we are seated with Christ in heavenly places. Amen. So where is the church? The church is far above principalities and powers. We are not beneath the principalities and powers. And we have to fight like that. Amen. Ephesians 1 verse 22. Uh, Oh, let me finish reading that. It says, He raised Him up uh, from the dead and seated Him at His right hand in the heavenly places. Verse 21 says, Far above all principality and power, might and dominion, and every name that is named. So the name of sickness, the name of disease, the name of doubt, the name of fear, every name that is named, that Jesus has been raised above and the church has been raised above. Somebody say amen. Not only in this age, but in the age to come. So we are not going to lose. We are not going to leave this earth defeated and messed up and in doubt and in despair and in debt. We are going to leave the world in the, the authority that God has destined for us. And I believe in the rapture of the church. Ephesians 1 verse 22. And he says this, and he has the key. So I want you to put the, okay, well, uh, let me read the scripture first. Because then we're going to come to a close now. Because I have a lot to share, but it's okay. And he put all things under his feet, right? Where's everything? Under the feet. His feet. And gave him to be the head over all things for the church or to the church. So, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. So, yes, Jesus, the head. Everything is under His feet, right? Jesus is above principalities and powers, far above. He is the head. The church is the body. And everything is under the feet. You got that? So where are the principalities and powers? Are we now pushing up or are we pushing down? Now, when, when we begin to understand this and say, okay, you know what? Yes, we understand that, that, that we may experience certain challenges and difficulties and go through crisis, etc. But the, the issue is when we stand up again, we realize though a righteous man falls seven times, yet he will rise again. And when we rise again, we are above principalities and powers. In fact, far above that. Amen. So if we start tackling this nation and this city and this state with the authority that is vested in the church, then nothing can stop us. Amen. We will see revival. But if we're thinking that we're holding out and we're fighting and the devil's getting stronger and stronger then you may as well pack up and go home to Jesus now. Amen. And it says he put all things under his feet. So let me help you dear Christian. Let's put up that that second diagram. Let me help you dear Christian. 
Is it up? No. Dear Christian, the devil is not under your feet by yourself. He's under our feet, the church. You've got to get this right. Because it's the number one area where people are taken out. Because I can see it sometimes. I look at somebody and I see that independent spirit get on somebody. Because suddenly it's all about me, my ministry. No, it's not about you, your ministry. It's about us, the church. This is not about me. This is about us. Amen. This is about the church of Jesus Christ. It's not about me. It's not about one individual. And yes, God does love me. He does love you as an individual. Yes, you do have certain amount of authority, but you don't carry the authority that the church carries together. And together, 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 we dominate the spirit realm. Together we do this. Somebody say amen. Come on. That's why God doesn't need us to strut our stuff. He doesn't need another strutting preacher in the world. He doesn't need that. He needs people who are sold out to Him and say, God, we need each other. I need the church. I need you. You need me. We need each other. You know, this morning, just when I was walking around, because I always, one thing I just love to just, you know, just, say hello to all the kids and then normally Evan runs up, Pastor, Pastor, he's learning to say, Pastor Clive, and he always runs to me and then I was just holding him and just walking around and looking at all the people. I thought to myself, I just love these people. I just love God's people. I just love his family because we're family and it's in that that we cannot lose. So when we look at this now, this is spiritual warfare. There's God the Father. There's the Son. And there's the church. In the third heaven. We are not operational. We may live here in the, in the world. We may live here, but we're not part of the system. We are part of a different system. Yes, we work here. Yes, we live here. But we live here at operational from an authority from above. So here's the point, is that whilst the devil is pushing down and the principalities in pushing down on the world, here's the point, the church, if we get this, we start to push down from the top and we exert a pressure on him from the top. Amen. We start to wrestle. We're not wrestling, trying to hold him back. In actual fact, he's trying to hold us back. But the problem is that we don't realize this as the church. Amen. That's why the Bible says, Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against my church. Meaning that the, the devil is holding out against the church. It's not the other way around. The Bible says, I will build my church. The gates of hell shall not be able to resist and stand against the church. That's the church that Jesus is building. The word church and I've said this before, I'll say it again, I've said it a long time ago. The word church means, the Greek word is ecclesia. Ecclesia, it's the Greek word which means legislative assembly. It's a, it's a Roman term that Jesus used for, for, for governing a city. That, that, that the leaders and the elders would get together of that Roman city and they would make laws and decrees and they would govern the city. When Jesus said, I will build my church, it's 
That's the picture. He said, my church will be the ones that govern the city. So we are here to govern the spiritual realm. We are here to exert pressure on these principalities and powers. We are here to control that. But I'll tell you what, when the devil gets you messed up and in doubt and division and, and all these things, the worst thing is not that somebody sins. The worst thing, the greatest thing the devil uses is division. Because he knows if he can get people to divide. And it's not here in the church. Because if it is, then I have a, like a laser-guided spiritual missile for that. Amen. And that's why we guard the unity of the Spirit. We maintain it. And when one person comes like that, we say, speak to the hand because the face don't understand, bro. Thank you. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Listen, I'm going to close off tonight like this. The band can come up. I have a lot to teach you because... But I think my clock says I've got 9 minutes, 58 seconds, but it's, it's stuck. It's frozen. <laughs> I don't run with the clock, as you all know. Amen. But here's the point. We are here for a job. And I'll continue next week on these things to teach us how to deal with this. But if you can just leave tonight... And realize, let me, let me just read one scripture, what 2 Corinthians 12, because I'm going to finish with this. You'll see why. Paul the Apostle says this, 2 Corinthians 12. It is doubtless not profitable for me to boast. He says, look, I'm taking a chance that I'm boasting. That's what he's saying. I will come when it comes to visions and revelations of the Lord. He says, look, I can talk about these things, but I understand I'm... I'm making myself a target. He says, I know a man in Christ, talking about himself, 14 years ago, whether in the body or out the body, I don't know. God knows such a one was caught up in the third heaven. So Paul the Apostle was caught up in the third heaven. He had a revelation of the church. That's why God could use him to write about the church. And he says, I know such a man, whether in the body or out the body, I don't know. How he was caught up into paradise and heard inexpressible words, which is not lawful for a man to utter. Of such a one I will boast, yet of myself I will not boast except in my infirmities. For though I might desire to boast, I will not be a fool, for I will speak the truth. But I refrain, lest anyone should think of me above what he sees me to be or hears from me. He says, look, I've experienced things in God. You may look at me and think, you're just like a weed. But he says, I've experienced things in God. He understood this third heaven. That's why Paul says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. That's why he says, I've learned in all things, whether I have much or little, I've learned. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He learned the power of the church. He learned to have revival wherever he went. Here's what happens. 
because he's operating in that third heaven. The Bible says, here's what it says in verse 7. And lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations. You know, look, sometimes I sometimes think the same thing, Lord. You know, you show me these things and man, it's like the enemy comes for you. But you know, it's okay. He says, I have all these revelations. But a thorn in the flesh was given to me. A messenger of Satan to buffet me. Lest I should be exalted above measure. He says, concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times. That I might depart from me. And here's the thing. Sometimes we carry so much from God and the devil comes. And we have to fight back and we say, God, help me. Here's all God says. That's all I want you to know. That even though we carry such authority, there's the greatest thing in your life will ever happen. Is that you know who you are in Christ. You know what the church is about. You know the authority we carry. And even though Satan comes and you ask God, say, Lord, help me. He says, and God said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. You see, God's not looking for your strength. He's looking for His strength. Therefore, I will most gladly boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Whatever the enemy is attacking you with, I'll tell you what. It may give you an infirmity. It may give you pressure. But you're going to have to say, Lord, I will boast in you because the power of Christ will rest upon me. And sometimes we have these things because of the revelation. And we realize if we got so full of our revelation that we'd have such a big head that we'd miss God. That the power of Christ may rest upon me. Sometimes you have conflict in home, in families, in situations. Sometimes it doesn't go your way and you say, Lord, help me. And God says, my grace is enough for you. And he says, therefore, I will take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in distresses, in persecutions for Christ's sake. For when I'm weak, then I'm strong. Let's stand to our feet tonight. For when I'm weak, then I'm strong. If you can get this one thing about spiritual warfare, because this whole chapter that Paul spoke now is about spiritual warfare. It's about him understanding who he is and who the church is in Christ. But him coming to the place and say, God, I need you. As much as we have authority in him, we are but flesh. And we need his grace to be poured out. So just as we, as we worship, I don't know what you're going to worship. There's another in the fire. Or what do you got? Hmm? Hmm? Fear will never conquer me. There we go. Amen. As we worship now tonight, just as we worship a little bit, 
maybe you need to just dismantle some things about certain areas in your life and just give it to God. Because over these next two weeks, we will learn how to begin to dominate as a people, not as an individual. That's why prayer is important. That's why I'm not willing to sacrifice the prayer in this church for what people want. Because I understand it's what God wants, that we have to push in and dominate in an atmosphere and control the atmosphere. And it's easy to become passive. But I want to tell you, passivity is one of the principalities and powers that's so dominant in the church and it's exerting pressure on the church and we have to come out of that. Amen. Out of that. Out of that. Passivity is not of God. Amen. The kingdom of heaven suffers violence since the days of John the Baptist and the violent take it by force. The forceful lay hold of the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. Oh, let's just worship a little bit. 